Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dzinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. And listen, I know that's true of you if you've been hanging around during the month of November because we're not talking about the lighthearted, romantic stuff of marriage right now. We're talking about the real-life stuff of marriage, namely our family of origin issues and how they impact us and our marriages today. So to those of you listening and learning this month, kudos to you for showing up and doing the work. Because you're the ones who are going to come out of these episodes better and braver than before, with more self-awareness and more direction when it comes to intentionally creating the marriage and family life that you ultimately desire to have. Speaking of, I hope everyone had a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving with their own families and families of origins and in-laws. And just know that we are continuing this conversation on through the month of December. Today, we are talking about the roles we play in our families of origin. And as we begin to talk about that, I want to use a fictional family to set you up for hopefully better understanding, okay? If you have seen the show This Is Us on NBC, you know that there is no show that exhibits family dynamics better. (laughs) What this show gives us is a glimpse into three main characters' lives and childhoods and how their role in the family impacts them as adults. Which is fascinating to me, because if you know anything about the show, these three siblings that they follow are triplets. But as they grow up, instead of taking on the same personality, they begin to develop their own personalities and their own roles in the family. How do they decide this? Well, they don't, right? Just like we don't decide our roles in our families. They simply evolve and emerge based on nature and nurture and what our family system needs to stabilize itself. And it's all an unconscious process as it's happening, but it's certainly fascinating to understand in hindsight. Now, on the show, we follow these three siblings into adulthood, and we see how the roles they played growing up contribute to who they are in their own marriages and families, and how the roles they played growing up contribute to the struggles they have today. But instead of feeling confused about that or perplexed, as their spouses and families are depicted as feeling on the show, we as the viewing audience feel like we get them. That in some part we understand why they are the way that they are, because we've seen their family of origin dynamic. We understand them in their original context, and then why they struggle as adults, right? Now, apply this to your own life. Do you ever wonder why you are the way that you are? (laughs) Why you struggle with the things that you struggle with? Better yet, have you ever wondered why your spouse is the way he or she is? Or why your spouse struggles in the way that they do? Well, when you put yourself or your spouse back into the context of your family, you begin to understand the role that you played growing up or that your spouse played growing up. And you begin to gain some insight, some understanding, and hopefully some compassion, both for yourself and for your spouse. Now, to be clear, I am not assigning all of our struggles 
as a direct result from our family of origin. But what I am saying is that our sense of self was largely developed by the role we played in our family growing up. See, each of us plays a different role in our family of origin, which contributes to our sense of self, the way we think about ourselves, and the way we view ourselves throughout our lives. And what's fascinating about this to me is that we're never given a script or a manual for how to operate in our family of origin. It's not like we have a rule book or something, but we sure do know how to play the rules, right? They're unspoken rules, of course, because they're subconscious, but they're there. And for better or worse, we abide by them. Each of us learns over time what role we play and how to play it. For some of us, that role remains consistent throughout our childhood and adolescence, but for others, that role may change or shift a little bit depending on different transitions your family might go through, such as a new child being added to the family, a divorce, a mental or physical illness that impacts the whole family. But the fact remains that we adjust to meet the needs of our family growing up, healthy or not, functional or not. And we play our roles to perfection without ever realizing what we're doing. Because, like I said, it's a subconscious process as it's all unfolding. So today, what we're going to do is make the unclear clear, the unspoken spoken. We're going to name the role we played in our family of origin so that we can better understand not only the context we came from, but how our roles still impact our sense of self, our marriages, and our families today, which we'll be talking about more in upcoming episodes. But before we do, this podcast is brought to you by my free research-based relationship quiz. Have you ever wanted a professional insider's look at your relationship? Well, I've created a short quiz that lets you in on the state of your relationship based on four different components of marital health. After taking the quiz, you'll receive an immediate score, plus a description of your score will be sent straight to your inbox, followed by one action step, next steps to take, and one prayer for your marriage. To get in on that free resource, just visit bravemarriage.com quiz. Again, that's bravemarriage.com quiz. So, what I've done is I've created five different characters that we tend to play in our families of origin. I've looked at a few case studies and research articles. I've reviewed things I've been taught in the past. And so, while this cast of characters may not be exhaustive, I would say that these are five of the roles that most of us play into. So as you listen, what I want you to become aware of are the tendencies that each role plays in order to, quote-unquote, help the family in some way. Each of these roles benefit the family as a whole in some way, which is why they show up and continue. Because here's the deal. Like I said in the weeks past, 100% of us have family of origin issues. And the roles we played growing up functioned to keep certain issues at bay, to keep parents from fighting, to keep a parent happy, or to keep a marriage from imploding. See, children feel very viscerally anxiety or tension within their parents or families. But because they're children, they don't know how to articulate this or how to process it. 
or how to differentiate themselves from it. So what do they do? They mold themselves to bring relief to the family that they don't even know is needed. Isn't that fascinating? How adaptable we are as human beings and how we adapt to our surroundings to make things seemingly functional, even if they're actually not. So as you listen to each description, I want you to see if you can identify yourself in one of these roles and see if your spouse can do the same. The first is the entertainer. The entertainer often has a more outgoing personality than others in the family. These individuals tend to enjoy attention, enjoy being a delight to their parents or others. They may be funny or talented or charismatic by nature. But what happens is, entertainers quickly learn that they can ease the tension in their family of origin by drawing either positive attention to themselves by performing and therefore distracting others from underlying issues, or they draw negative attention to themselves by acting like the class clown or the instigator of mischief. When families are unhealthy, parents are likely to use entertainers to feel better about themselves by living vicariously through them, especially if the entertainer is also a performer in some sense. Entertainers can be seen in families as special or gifted and learn to perform as a way of keeping others happy. Essentially, entertainers learn to exploit the self for the sake of the family. Next is the peacekeeper. The peacekeeper may be more calm and gentle-natured than someone with a more outgoing personality. They tend to be naturally skilled at observing or empathy. They may be quieter or content to hang out in the background, that is, until their peacekeeping abilities are needed. And this often manifests one of two ways. We have the passive peacekeeper and the active peacekeeper. So the passive peacekeeper tends to just stay out of the way. They fade into the background and they may not feel seen, but they work to appease their parents by not drawing attention toward themselves. The active peacekeeper, on the other hand, shows up when needed to play referee, whether that's acting as a referee for their siblings or acting as a referee for their parents. When families are unhealthy, parents tend to use peacekeepers to try and modify behavior in other siblings, suggesting that others in the family be more like the peacekeeper who doesn't draw attention or require as much energy. As adolescents, though, it's not uncommon for peacekeepers to develop lives outside of the family because there's seemingly no room for them to show up as themselves within the family. Peacekeepers can be seen in families as pleasing and compliant and learn to people-please as a way of keeping others happy. So what ends up happening is the peacekeeper learns to hide the self for the sake of the family. Next is the role model. The role model often has an overly developed superego as compared to others in the family. They tend to have a strong moral conscience that they follow internally and a strong sense of right and wrong that they live by. If these qualities are valued by parents, the role model begins to take on this role that sets the standard for other siblings. They continue to do things the right way, quote-unquote, to excel, and they subconsciously fit themselves into a mold 
that's often unrealistic to uphold, but the role model doesn't know any different. The role they play isn't as active as the entertainer, it's more passive, like the peacekeeper. Because as long as they play their role and concern themselves with meeting a certain standard, the way the family uses this is as a distraction or a redirect from other issues. When families are unhealthy, parents use role models to feel better about themselves. Again, to live vicariously through them and to contrast the behavior of other siblings in the family in an effort to modify others' unwanted behavior. Role models can be seen in families as special or as doing no wrong, and they learn to be good as a way of keeping others happy. Ultimately, the role model learns to perfect the self for the sake of the family. Next is the baby. The baby is often, but not always, the last-born male or female in the family. The baby is well-loved and well-spoiled, a delight to others in the family. Just like any other role, the baby has innate personality traits, but those natural tendencies tend to get overlooked, and a lot gets projected onto the baby. When families are unhealthy, parents use babies to feel better about the family itself, using them as objects of affection, which distract the parents from other issues. Other siblings in the family, though, often feel like the baby's role is unfair to them as much more doting, attention, and privilege is given to the baby. Siblings may call a sister who play the baby the princess of the family, while brothers who play the baby are often referred to as coddled. The baby seemingly doesn't have to do much in order to distract the family from its issues. They only have to continue playing the part of weak or needy or ditzy or dependent, and so their identity development is stifled, not because they lack anything innately within themselves to do so, but simply because the baby isn't given room in his or her family to grow and mature. So the baby learns to stunt the self for the sake of the family. And the last is the fixer. The fixer tends to have a naturally stronger sense of justice than others in the family. Whether they realize it or not, they usually experience more emotion than those in other roles, but how they tend to express that looks different from person to person. Because of cultural conditioning, female fixers tend to operate as peacemakers. So not peacekeepers, but peacemakers. They're the ones who are going to get their hands dirty when it comes to solving family problems or defending those whom they feel have been unfairly dealt with. But what happens is they don't get to actually make peace because other roles step in to keep the family the way that it is. Male fixers, on the other hand, again, because of cultural conditioning, tend to operate as heroes. They're the ones who defend their younger siblings or come to the rescue for parents who rely on them instead of each other for appropriate emotional support. When families are unhealthy, parents use fixers to meet their emotional needs. Parents also learn to rely on fixers as many parents in a sense, whereby fixers then share the burdens of the family more so than those in other roles. Female fixers tend to be seen as bossy or motherly, while male fixers tend to be seen as loyal or protective. 
So fixers ultimately learn to deny the self for the sake of the family. So I'm curious, which of the five roles I just described resonates most with you? The entertainer, the peacekeeper, role model, the baby, or the fixer? I know for me, it's the role model, even though I can identify playing different roles at different times as well. So yes, you can identify with more than one, but most likely, you'll find yourself predominantly in one of these five roles. And here's why I want you to identify this within yourself. Because the roles we play in our families of origin, they impact us deeply. They impact the way we view ourselves, our siblings, our parents, and the way we then view our own marriages and families. So as adults, it's our job to better understand ourselves and how we were impacted by our family of origin in order to consciously choose the kind of relationship we want to have with ourselves, with our spouses, with our families of origin as adults, and with our own families. So your action step this week is to identify the roles you and your spouse played and then talk with each other about what that was like for you growing up. In order to help you do that, I've created a free PDF that you can download by visiting bravemarriage.com family. It's a free multi-page PDF that outlines not only today's episode to help you and your spouse talk about it, but it also sets you up for where we're going over the next few weeks. So again, to get that free PDF, just visit bravemarriage.com family. And this week, God, I thank you that you knit each of us together, that you formed our intricate beings and you saw what we were and who we were before our families ever knew us. And I just pray that those listening would believe what you say about them over and above what others have said about them, that they would believe you and praise you that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that that knowledge would change them from the inside out. All right, friends, I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Love is not about Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile